Welcome to Sports Matters, a sports epreneur podcast series bringing you focused content on a significant thought or topic related to the world of sports and entrepreneurship, because this is Sports Epreneur, the place where sports and entrepreneurship collide. This Sports Matters episode starts now. I'm going to move on to, to another teacher and another kind of father figure that I know had a massive impact on your career. Just give a couple of nuggets on what John Wooden taught you about your culture, especially in leadership, just during your time at UCLA. And I know when you took over there, one thing for those listening, I forgot to mention, Steve was a, an assistant on the 1995 UCLA National Championship team when Jim Herrick was coaching and a few years before he would go ahead and go on to take over. So obviously we're talking about a guy that is oozing success and in terms of what leadership and culture can really look like, both in a practical basketball setting, but if you're in a different walk of life out there, I know there's going to be some things that you pull from this that Lav will be able to, to share with you, but give a dose of what it was like just that, especially early on, I know he probably gave you a little bit more leeway in your further years at UCLA. Not that you, I know you always leaned on him, but especially in that first couple of years as you become a head coach for the first time. Yeah, what's well, so interesting that Purdue plays a part here because Coach Wooden was a three-time All-American, as you know, yeah. at Purdue with the Boilermakers from 1928 to 1932. Those were the years he attended Purdue. And played for Piggy Lambert, a legendary coach in Big Ten history and Purdue history. And when Coach Wood would visit Purdue, because naturally he'd be honored from time to time, yeah. that's when I first had the opportunity to spend time with him. And it ends up playing a part in the trek to UCLA along with some other factors and definitely was a key in eventually being chosen as the head coach at UCLA. It goes back to the Boilermaker ties. And so when he would come to West Lafayette to visit, I was a graduate assistant at the time. As you know, you were with the program as well. Mm -hmm. And I was the one responsible for picking him up from his hotel, getting him to the airport and back, making sure that he got over to Mackey Arena to watch practice, uh, you know, over to bookstores to do autograph signing sessions where he'd meet fans that naturally were lining up into the cornfields with the opportunity <laughs> the opportunity to meet Coach Wooden. So what was nice is we kept in touch and I met Mark Gottfried, who was an assistant on the staff at a summer camp in California during mm-hmm. that same period. And then working with Coach Katie's USA teams, I think the Pan Am, yes. maybe the World the Games, World yeah. University Games. So when working with Coach Katie's staff during the USA basketball up in Colorado Springs and then back at Mackey Arena as they prepared to go overseas for competition, some of the UCLA players were trying out for those teams. Uh, Tracy Murray, Trevor Wilson, to name a few. And that led to me meeting Coach Herrick. Mm -hmm. And so between meeting Coach Godfrey, meeting Coach Herrick, and then John Wooden, the Boilermaker tie, uh, that ends up leading to coming to UCLA. And then I spent five years as an assistant, as you mentioned, fortunate to be on staff when we win the national title in 95 in Seattle. Coach Herrick is dismissed in 1996 in the fall before the start of the season. And I Mm -hmm. begin as an interim coach. But by February, we were in first place in conference play and they lifted that interim tag. But one of the real keys there was 
they call off the national search. And, and naturally, Chuck Young, who was the president of UCLA for decades, he was a young president towards the end of John Wooden's dominant run, 10 championships in 12 years, from 1963 mm-hmm. to 75, 10 out of 12 championships, seven consecutive NCAA championships, uh, five undefeated seasons, and 88 straight wins at one point, the longest streak in college basketball history. So Jim Milhorn was the associate athletic director at UCLA at the time, and he had played for John Wooden before the championship years. And Pete Blackman, who played for Coach Wooden at UCLA right before the championship years, was our vice chancellor. And Pete Dallas uh, had been a football manager at UCLA during John Wooden's coaching tenure. And so really, again, coming back to the Boilermaker tie and to Coach Wooden, when they do that national search, ultimately call it off, it was because of having John Wooden as an advocate and yeah. uh, our familiarity with each other and someone that I had leaned on and that I'd known for years going back to my assistant coaching years. And so it's not something I ever shared with the press, wasn't appropriate. But since you're asking, because a lot of people were like, how did Steve Lavin get that job at 32 years old? <laughs> right. Exactly. Never having been a head coach before, 11 championship banners over your head, and uh, not yeah. having played for a Mike Krzyzewski or a, yeah. a legendary coach like Roy Williams or Bobby Knight. But instead, I was a Division II player at San Francisco State and, and Chapman College. So I count my blessings there just to have John Wooden as an advocate. And then there are so many elements in terms of lessons. He was an English teacher, loved words, was a wordsmith, uh, very similar to my dad, different generations, Mm -hmm. probably 30 years older. Very similar though. Yeah. yeah. And like Coach Wooden, my dad coached or taught in high school and Coach Wooden began his career in Dayton High School in Kentucky Mm -hmm. and then later South Bend Central High School in Indiana. He also served for the country uh, in the Navy and then he was at Indiana State when they were a Division II program, before they were Division yep. One. Then he yep. comes to UCLA, 27 years at UCLA. His first 15 uh, doesn't have success, but he was learning. And then at 53 years old, he wins his first championship. And he used to like to say, with a twinkle in those blue eyes, I was a slow learner. But once I figured it out, I was pretty good. <laughs> and, uh, the ultimate understated, you know, yeah. they all say you figured it out. So from 53 to 65, he retires because he was from that greatest generation that you have a career and then you retire at 65. Now, he was in good health. He lived to 99, mm-hmm. born in 1910, and he passed away just short of his 100th birthday in 2010. And so his perspective, the prism or the lens that he looked at the world through was fascinating. He's 99 years old. Last time I visited him on White Oak Boulevard in Encino, and he had an apartment there for decades. Mm -hmm. He was doing a deep dive on all world religions. He happened to be a Christian, but he had all these books spread out with notes and highlighter pens. He's got that remarkable penmanship, uh, handwriting. And because there were so many books in his den and out in the living room on the table there, the dining room table. And I eventually asked him, coach, you know, what you got going here? You know, a lot of books <laughs> spread out. And uh, just, you know, kind of matter of factly, well, you know, I've actually been studying up on world religions. That book you know, over there, that's on Hinduism. And this one's on Judaism. And this one is on Catholicism. And this is on the Mormon faith. So I was like, wow, you talk about someone with that intellectual curiosity. At 99 years old, still an appetite to learn. Yeah. Yeah. And as he's moving towards the finish line, 
a appropriate kind of study. He wanted to learn more, and he was looking for the common ground. Uh, what were the commonalities that all these religions shared? Because he said it's been the differences in religions that have led to genocide and bloodshed. And, yeah, wars. Yeah. Yeah, false civilizations and whatnot. So he was finishing on a high note, looking for what all those four religions shared. And I uh, thought that really speaks to the kind of person he is. There were wonderful quotes. You'd go to ask a basketball question, as I did, a young assistant, then a young head coach. And somehow he would redirect the question into some larger subject about humanity, weaving in Mother Teresa, <laughs> Gandhi, right, yeah. Abraham Lincoln, Martin Luther King. You're, you're just looking to bust up a 2-3 zone and he ends up on Mother Teresa. Exactly. That was his favorite. <laughs> Mother Teresa was his favorite, favorite human being because of you know her otherness and the caring for the poor and the impoverished. And Lincoln was his favorite American. Yes, he was. Um, Bob Newhart was his favorite comedian, although he loved Abe Lemons, uh, the legendary coach who liked the cigars and used to coach at Texas and was a small Mm -hmm. college coach for years, and they really hit it off. But uh, quoting Churchill, and he paraphrased some of these quotes, but a few of my favorite was, never mistake activity for achievement. Mm -hmm. And the best thing a mother and father can do for their children is to love one another. The power of that example of love will have a more profound effect than anything you could say or do for a child. You and I both learned that one directly, for sure. Right. Yeah, what does love look like? And so be sure, because the little people are watching, and the greatest gift you can do for your children is to love their mother. And uh, I've kind of tweaked it a little bit there, but because really both sides there, because there's a lot of families, right, that have different dynamics. So really... Mm -hmm greatest thing you do for your children is to love one another, to have the parents love one another. He had a life without giving is a life not worth living. I think that might be paraphrased from, you know, Churchill, but so many valuable pearls of wisdom because of his life experience and his perspective and uh, humility, humanity, all these really important ingredients. And, And of course, there's the pyramid of success, which he came up with because he wasn't satisfied having been a high school teacher with the grading system of, you know, an A, a B, a C, yeah. a, D, a D or an F. Uh, he felt it was about one's potential. And where did they start? And if they were doing the best with their set of circumstances, that's an A. Exactly. And, yeah. and the peace of mind comes from that, that doing the best you can on a daily basis, that's all you can really do. And the advice he gave me as a young head coach was stay in the moment. Don't look too far ahead. It's natural to have some anxiety being an interim coach because you don't know what your future is. Exactly. And and he said it's natural to look over your shoulder at what just transpired with the university and your former boss, Coach Eric. Mm -hmm. He said, but you can't have one foot yesterday and one foot tomorrow if you expect to be successful and deliver for this young group basketball players you've inherited. And what they deserve is for you to have both feet today and do the best you can. And that's how we get to a better tomorrow. And there was exactly. no better advice going into that season as an interim coach working under those conditions. And I didn't fully grasp at the time how influential he could be indirectly with those different people we talked about earlier, the people acting as the Jim Millhorns, Chuck Young, and Pete Dallas. But uh, that ultimately 
was the difference. Yeah. You know, the advice that he gave me and then the support and advocating for me behind the scenes, which has led to the seven years once that interim tag was lifted at UCLA. Sportsypreneur is a content platform, a collaborative team, and a marketing brand that is all about showcasing leaders and difference makers in and around the world of sports. When we create our own content, we also create content with you. This includes collaborative content and exclusive content for your brand. Think podcasts, blogs, social media, and overall content strategy. Our sports content marketing team is specifically niche for those in the sports industry. That includes sports businesses, athletes, managers, coaches, trainers, entrepreneurs, and business leaders in the sports market. The bottom line is we want to help with your sports-related brand, your content marketing, and your story. Connect with us on Instagram at sportsepreneur or find us online at sportsepreneur.com. Sportsepreneur, the content platform where sports and entrepreneurship collide.